Welcome to Open to Explore, the FBC Athens podcast featuring conversations at the intersection of faith and life. I'm your host, Frank Granger, Minister of Christian Community. In May of 1920, the members of Athens Baptist Church left the church building located on the corner of Washington Street and College Avenue. A new structure was planned for a new location, the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue. In September of 1921, the first services were held in the new sanctuary. 100 years later, in 2021, members, friends, and guests continue to gather for worship, education, ministry, and mission. This podcast series celebrates our 100-year anniversary of being in this location by featuring stories and memories from a variety of our members. Some will stir your laughter. Others may bring a tear or two to your face. Our final episode features Adam Granger and Livy Baxley. Here is my conversation with them. Joining me today on the podcast is Livy Baxley and Adam Granger. Adam is joining us by phone. He's in Atlanta working for the CBF. Livy is here in college at UGA, second year. Yes? Yeah. Very good. Each of them are children of ministers. I'm thinking it might be a good place when we start our conversation to start there. But I want you to tell me a couple of things about yourself first. Livy, give us a little biographical information, something about yourself. Sure. My family moved to Athens over 11 years ago when my dad became the senior minister at First Baptist. So this has been home for over half of my life, and I really have formed a community of faith here. And something that came to mind when I was thinking about this podcast is, you know, how I wanted to stay within this congregation, even in college, like I haven't really explored many ministries outside of First Baptist. And I think that really says a lot about my time here, the people here, and what it means to me. Oh, very good. Adam, give us a little something about yourself as we get started. You bet. Um, I would agree with Livy that uh, First Baptist Athens has always been a second home, the second house that I grew up in, growing up in Athens, Georgia, uh, the only congregation that I've ever formally been a part of. I am looking at the calendar right now and, and realizing that I'm coming up on five years out of college, which is shocking sometimes. But now I work, I've worked for the past two plus years at the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship serving and supporting churches like First Baptist Athens. So it's really a joy of mine to visit other churches and and learn from them. Also hold true to different traditions that I grew up in, like First Baptist Athens. Yeah, and tradition here takes on a really full meaning uh, because the church has been in Athens since 1830 which is a really long time. It's coming up on a 200-year anniversary uh, when the next decade starts in this century. Interesting thing is, is this church has not always been on the same location geographically. It's it's had different homes in the city. 
not very far away from one another, but different homes. And so this podcast is in recognition of a significant time marker, which is 100 years on this corner, the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue. So the conversation that we'll have on this podcast is really about experiences uh, that you have had, things that you remember that have really occurred in and through the sanctuary building itself, right there in the sanctuary, because it's a special place, and it's had a lot of people in it in those hundred years. So being children of ministers, now young adults, what is it like to be a child in the church and have your parent be a worship leader? Well, for me, that's really all I've ever known uh, since, you know, from a young age, I, I grew up with my father as my minister. And so I think there's an expectation with that of, oh, she's, she's the preacher's kid. You need to, <laughs> you know, she could cause trouble or whatever <laughs> stereotype you associate with preacher's kids. But I never really resonated with any of those stereotypes. I could maybe say that Some of my siblings have, but of course not myself. (laughs) Yeah, growing up with that, I think really just played an important role in my faith and how I came to be a member of the church, to be baptized in the church, and how important of a decision that was for me and for my parent to be a very integral part of that. But I don't know, like even now... Without my dad directly in this church, I still feel that connection um, to this church, knowing the history that I've had with it. Good. Adam, what what about for you? There's definitely a bond of minister's kids, even when you don't know them, when you first (laughs) meet them. uh, It's just a different perspective on church life and the church building, too. I mean, I grew up always at the church you know i would get dropped off at the church in elementary and middle school well before wednesday night activities started sometimes <laughs> even not on wednesday night sometimes that meant helping my mom set up for church choir other times that meant just hanging out while you were doing work or preparing for a meeting or a bible study whatever you were doing uh dad and, and i you know, oftentimes I had no idea what that was um, <laughs> when I was younger. But, you know, the freedom to just explore just this massive wonderland uh, at a young age and go to different rooms and spaces. Uh, sometimes that meant being younger, uh, you know, underage, not being in the youth group, but going and playing in the youth space and feeling <laughs> really cool. And finding all the best hiding spots which paid off when you were in youth group for games like Sardines, uh, Hide and Seek, um, really knowing where to take people or, or where to, to sneak sneak around. It definitely affects me in my work now. For those listening, I travel a lot and get to see a lot of different church spaces. And you can learn a lot about a church and how the space is kept and what rooms, how they're organized and it's really interesting. Like sometimes when I'm traveling with Paul, he'll be meeting with someone and I just wander off <laughs> and for, for better or worse, you know, I've not been given permission to do this, but I'll just, I just feel like I can walk in a fellowship hall, walk in the cafeteria, 
you know, move things around. That's always been a comfort zone. You just know where things are and you know how to ask and treat people too. Uh, growing up and getting to know some of the administrative staff better, uh, I think that might be an area where some of the church members in the congregation might not know uh, different administrative staff as well, but those are people who are always happy to see me when I was walking in and wanted to ask about the things I was doing in my life, which is very similar to what congregation members did too, but it was cool to have those connections. Very good. Well, of course, you've heard your parents speak in the church, but other people have been in the pulpit, done things in the service, and I wonder from your experience and memory, who are some people that you've heard in that room, and it really stands out to you? When I, when I think back to the time that I've been here and, you know, maybe some guest preachers that have come in and out of the church or just other ministers on the staff, some that come to mind are the wonderful Susan Sparks of New York. And I think about, you know, everyone that has been with us who have had a significant impact on me, um, Brandon Pendry and Hannah Coe and... I would listen to my dad each week and be like, okay, yes, this is what I'm comfortable with. But hearing a new voice every once in a while kind of challenged me in a sense. And I think I didn't really grow to appreciate that until I got much older. Yeah, I I was trying to really rack my brain about, you know, who's come in and out of this building. And it's kind of hard when you've just been stuck with the same person for nine (laughs) years. Yeah, that's, those are the ones that really come to mind for me. The first one that came to mind was Doc Hollingsworth. I think that's the first time I laughed uh, <laughs> listening to a sermon. I, don't, I couldn't tell you what he preached on, but I remember he caught my attention and, and also kind of found a way to speak. I just thought it was really accessible even for younger people. I think Ron Higdon was, was one when I first started being more old enough to like really be paying attention. I remember Bill Ross's sermons and those being also very accessible, and, and but I didn't have like a mature enough faith really to sit with it. Uh, so I think you know, Ron Higdon was, was memorable for me. There were times where I felt like Paul was speaking directly to me, which was scary. Um, and I'm sure he just had a message to the larger congregation, but I really internalized it. And I would agree with Livy. I mean, seeing youth ministers, who are really impactful in your life, Creek, like Matt Duvall, like Brandon, and even Hannah Coe. I thought Hannah is just such a gifted preacher. And so when she had that space, that was also really powerful. One of the things that I look for when I look for congregations in my, in my own life is multiple preachers and really spreading that wealth. Because I think the different perspectives just are really valuable to bring the word in a new way. So I think there's a lot of different voices, and hearing those different voices have been powerful and where I would go with those. I really enjoy hearing those different perspectives. And as you talk about different names, obviously it kind of takes me into that space, you know, when I've heard them and those people or worked with them. And that's really special. And I like what you say, Livy, of how those different voices that come into the congregation provide sometimes a a different kind of challenge for us. Really good perspective. I'm enjoying hearing y'all talk about these things. As you consider some of the 
times where you had a really memorable experience in that space. What are memorable experiences that you've had there, and what did you take from it? I feel like Livy and I might have similar answers here. Definitely Youth Sunday senior year mm-hmm. um, is a very memorable experience. But for me, it was more, it was less about my opportunity to speak, which was really awesome. But it was seeing Holden Hargrave <laughs> come up to the pulpit, someone who is more quiet, not always a big public speaker, you know, address the whole congregation and bring his point of view to the Bible and life. Someone who I love dearly. He was a huge friend and, and continues to be a source of support and a driving force. That's just another brother to me. And then to see someone like Chris Adams, who always felt like Chris had a knack for ministry. And that was definitely out of Chris's comfort zone. And I, he would agree with me if, if we were in, in this space right now, that at that age for Chris Adams to come up and deliver that was like really pushing out of his comfort zone. Um, and it was, it was cool to share that moment, to share that space. And also the morning of that day with our senior class that was just really tight. You know, Emmeline, Maggie, Molly, Robert, Arthur, we were just a unit and we had been through a lot together as a youth group and you're transitioning in life. Uh, and it was just cool to recognize and stand on that stage together um, and celebrate one another. I mean, I would also add though, it was really memorable for me because I think the perspective you talk about, you know, we're Baptist and church people are, are creatures of habit when it comes to the sanctuary. And when you go to a new place, you got to be careful where you sit because you've probably taken somebody's feet. Uh, <laughs> you know? But we also, because we sit in the same place, we have a similar viewpoint all the time. I mean, growing up, you know, I sat in the balcony different times, or I sat closer to the front row. At one point, we were on the right side of the congregation, then the left side, and now <laughs> it's just kind of wherever. But when you're standing up there and you're delivering, whether it's reading scripture, praying, or just that moment when uh, I got to also offer a perspective, looking out on the congregation from that view is powerful because you see all of these different folks who have picked you up and dropped you off at the church when your parents were occupied. And even when it's like a call in the middle of the day, you know, the, the folks who taught you, Bible study when you're in elementary and grade school, and then the parents and chaperones on youth trips that allowed you to kind of have a lot of fun and maybe didn't tell your parents all the crazy things you were up to. Uh, (laughs) And then people who continue to this day to invest in your life or or are curious about your development as a young professional. It's this really compelling family that offers a lot of different giftedness people who are leaders in Athens, people, business owners, lawyers, you name it, all all these things that come together. And and that's just sacred, that there's this different love and appreciation that you can witness from that viewpoint instead of just looking up at the pulpit. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would you add to that, Libby? Adam, hearing you talking about Holden, you know, taking – that step of faith to really offer a word on Youth Sunday really <laughs> brought back memories to my fairly recent Youth Sunday of Holland and I preaching together and 
you know, I think I even addressed it at the beginning of my sermon, talking about how she expected me to be the one that preached for our youth Sunday, and then we, you know, ended up doing it together, which was really special. And so I think that is definitely a memorable event that comes to mind when I think about that space. But not only that, I think my earliest memory of the church was probably our first Christmas Eve there. Um, And I vividly remember being asked to read the litany for that evening for lighting the Christ candle and having just moved there, not really fully settled in yet, but still meeting people and getting involved with friends in the congregation. That's just always, always stuck with me. And then fast forward to two years ago, our Christmas Eve service was the last time that I would have a Christmas Eve service with my dad preaching and my mom and I saying a holy night. It was just both of those moments really stick out to me as very sacred and very memorable, you know, and I think about how much growth happened between those nine years and the people that played an impact, like you said, you know, the ones taking you to different events, Teresa and um, Carol Reddish and to and from church, school, whatever it was. And yeah, that's, I really resonate with that. You know, it strikes me, Livy, you and Holland on your youth Sunday, it is in the midst of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's such a different experience in one respect from Adam's. Adam, I mean, there are people in the room. I mean, yeah. a lot of people in the room right. it, with, for Adam and their class. And your class, we delayed it mm-hmm. to a little bit later than when we had originally planned. And it was a different feel in the space. Yeah. But it's still just as impactful. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What is a moment that was really an unexpected moment something funny something special something that caught your attention in a way that was just that was very unexpected especially in a sanctuary space Uh, well the first thing that came to my mind was you know Adam was talking earlier about finding new nooks and crannies throughout the sanctuary and my immediate thought were all of the youth group games played in the sanctuary you know on late Sunday nights it was dark and we were just running around and who knows what we were doing I guess I did expect that but in the moment it felt like very out of place this just I don't know maybe this isn't right maybe I shouldn't be running around (laughs) the sanctuary and shooting nerf guns at different people like (laughs) I don't know but that's what comes to my mind or lock-ins where we would be running up and down these halls of the third floor and doing a scavenger hunt. I don't know. It just felt very unexpected in the moment. But now I look back and I think those are some of the greatest memories I have of that time. And maybe they were expected in a sense. I don't know. There's some people that have learned now for the first time that Nerf guns have been shot in the sanctuary. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. If you haven't done it yet, I highly recommend it. It's a great time. The the best place. I mean, the pews are great little barriers. They are. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Tony, you you talk about hanging out in the sanctuary. I got off hours in the dark. Growing up with my dad. Oftentimes on a Wednesday night, that meant shutting the place down. Yeah. And 
I used to be haunted by the thing. It was like literally <laughs> scared to go in there because I, I don't know how old I was. I was under the age of seven for sure. And it's my brother, my dad and I, and we're just going through the church, turning off lights in the hallways. And Ben would laugh at this because he'd make fun of me for being the younger brother who's just kind of more lackadaisical in some ways. So I'm probably just hanging out in the sanctuary, just checking something out or curious. And all of a sudden, all the lights go out. And I can't find Ben. I can't find my dad. I'm like screaming for him. I'm like, at this point in my life, I'm thinking, this is when the ghost comes in the church. And they come take you. You know, and I was just like terrified. I just like come running out. They found me. And I remember like next week when it was light duty, I'm like, I'm not going in there. Uh Uh-uh, not today. (laughs) But I think there's like unexpected That's another kind of more minister's kid moment often you but now I knew where the lights were and that later ended up being really helpful there were times in youth choir where I was helping turn lights on so that we could practice in the sanctuary so you, you know where things are but I didn't even think about nerf battles until you brought that up Lily. <laughs> those spaces are fun and I, I think it's just even little moments too I've probably appreciated more coming back to this space as an adult, these little moments of people you haven't seen in a while that visit on the same Sunday that you're visiting, or just that member of the congregation that's really special to you. I mean, I have a ton of names in my head. I'm trying not to just name drop the whole time, but that just asks you how you're doing and what about life or what about the job? You know, when I was living in Greensboro, having, having people who like generally care and want to understand what's going on in your life, even when you come back every now and then, Sometimes there's are unexpected conversations that that really mean a lot. And it's just, I think it's an extension of the family that is the congregation that uh, first by the Athens, at least in my experience. If you wanted someone else to experience something special in there, what would you want them to experience? Other than Nerf guns. Um, <laughs> Hands down, Christmas Eve, when we sing Silent Night, Holy Night, and light up the candles, that service is just so powerful in general. I've always loved it. It's always been my favorite time to be in church. And it was particularly special later years of grandmother's life. And those last few years when grandmother was still alive and Public Ranger was still with us and they would come and they were always there. And so it was just a special time because afterwards, you know, we're going home and sharing a meal together. And, and that was sacred space too. That would definitely be one. If, if I could only pick one, I could probably come up with some others, but that that's a special service. That one rises mm-hmm. to the top then for you. Yeah. Uh, of course that stands out for me. If I had to choose multiple, I think one of mine would have to be, Frank, hearing your laugh echo through the sanctuary at at any moment, you know, just yeah. it just has Every church everyone needs a laugh has track. exactly everyone has to experience that at some point <laughs> in their life, and you know that was just the first thing that came to my mind. But <laughs> I'm so glad I've made an you know, impression. You know, the acoustics just really heighten uh, heighten the experience. It's just it it's lets just wonderful. people know when to laugh too. Exactly. Like there are some people who like maybe they weren't paying attention. It happens to all of us. You exactly. know, you're thinking about where you're gonna get food, whatever. And then 
There it is. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Oh, that's so good. Y'all have seen a few changes in the space. The room has had quite a number of changes in terms of its look and feel, uh, not just decoration, but even how the space is structured. In spite of that, what would you say really holds together? What transcends, no matter how the space looks, or what you think that space means? Yeah, Adam was talking earlier about going to different churches, and you're like, oh, you can't sit on that pew. That's that's their pew. And I... <laughs> I very much relate to that because it's felt like I've sat on the same pew for every Sunday that I've been here. And despite, I guess this is more so about the physical renovation, but despite what the building has been through, uh, you know where everyone is sitting. You have that general idea of, oh, this family will be over here. They will be on this side of the room and you know where to look to get a wink before church if you're participating in the service. That's pretty specific, but having that constant, this is my space, I'm going to really absorb worship in this specific space, in this specific moment. I don't know. That's more about the physical aspect of the church, but I think about the people that have come in and out, and I think about you, Frank, who stayed constant through every transition we've been through in ministry. I mean, I think about every position in the church and how you've always you've always been there. You've always been a constant. And even despite that change, there's just something that allows me to have like a sense of peace and comfort mm. in that. What would you add to that, Adam? My mind immediately went to like what physically hasn't changed at least in my lifetime, the windows along the side are the same. Uh, Sandaliers are the same. You still have the similar entry and exit points in the back and in the front, which leads to like also having those ushers and welcomers. There's always people there to greet you, uh, to give you a bulletin. But as I was listening to Livy talk, I think there's something that I don't know how to articulate other than just a feeling. Mm-hmm. that okay. I have whenever I'm in that space. So although the pulpits are different size or been moved around and we've, we've done some really cool things with the new stained glass and the list goes on, new carpet, there's a feeling, I think, of connection and community and love in that space that I don't think you feel or I haven't felt at least personally in other spaces of the church. I've, I felt and experience great joy in different spaces and, and definitely community and fellowship all Wednesday night dinners and like saying hi to people and all that stuff. It's not that I, I haven't felt uh, good emotions or, or connection in other spaces, but I think the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in the sanctuary is different and is powerful. And even to this day, when I go sit there, there's a different level of comfort that I have in that space that, and maybe it's because I'm not having my work hat on, <laughs> uh, you know, when I go to other congregations. But I, I, it's just a completely different feel. It, it really feels like this is a place of worship. This is a place of love and a place of seeking God's call and God's presence in this, in this space. You all have talked about some of our services. We could even say some of the rituals. You've talked about people's interactions, 
folks you have heard and things of that nature, what would you say makes the space sacred? It kind of goes in hand with that feeling you get, but I think it's a combination of the people that come to the space that makes it sacred. It's, it's what it's Livy's saying when you can sit and look at the families and the friends and the mentors that gather seeking something together to be in community together, uh, worship God. That's just, that's just so special. So I think to, to me, that would be most sacred is seeing that grow and change over time. Like seeing people who are in your youth group are now married and have kids, seeing new families. You know, I love coming to church now and not recognizing people because <laughs> there are new families in the space that I haven't met. And that, that's really cool. But alone, I've been in that space empty many times uh, in my little strolls. Yeah. And it does hold still that kind of sacred space. It's not that it's um, not holy space when it's empty. Uh, in fact, I've gone there alone and, and prayed before, and it, it's very powerful because it does feel like you're in uh, a home, God's house. But when it's full with members of the congregation, that, that kind of adds to it and makes it super special. I think one reason why the space can feel still very sacred when it's empty is because of all those experiences you've talked about mm-hmm. that you've had in it. And I think that stirs in a little bit of our memory and our emotion as we step back in. There's a sense in where we, even though the space is just plain and empty, that we feel surrounded by those experiences and those people um, and that you really aren't alone. I wonder if that's a, a layer which helps make the space feel more sacred even when it's empty. Is there something that you've thought about sharing and hadn't had a chance to talk about yet? I guess something that just came to mind when thinking about the people in the space and what happens and what has happened over time in the space, I really think about worship itself. I've always like valued worship in, in every congregation that I've been in and really just appreciate the different elements of worship. I mean, you can ask like my family, how much I missed the pipe organ during renovations on the church and how, you know, important that is to me in that space. And so I really think about the elements themselves of worship and how that also makes it sacred, just experiencing them in a different way each week, hearing different pieces of music, different hymns that, you know, maybe you are familiar with, but hearing how they challenge you to think about the sermon differently or the texts of scripture differently. And then I think about outside of worship, you know, the the fellowship that you experience after the service is over of, you know, you, you just go to your people and you talk to them, or maybe you want to introduce yourself to someone who is new or visiting. And so there's kind of a two aspects to it. You know, you have your worship holy experience and then after and I feel like those are very much interconnected so yeah that's kind of what came into my mind okay 
I, I didn't even think about that until Libby said it, but the, the moment after going and being just outside the sanctuary as people are, are leaving, wishing them well for the week or a little chat about a game or whatever it is, that's really fun to say you know, when I visit churches, even when I was living in Greensboro and I was trying to figure out where I was going to go to church, I didn't know where to go after church. Cause I, <laughs> I used to always just go stand yeah. by you, you know, and, and like right. co co wish people well. I like was like, well, where do I, what am I supposed to do? I've really appreciated this conversation today and hearing Lydia's perspective, but also just thinking I have this mental picture of the sanctuary right now. I don't think I've ever reflected on that space in the way that I have until having this conversation. But that place means a lot to me. And I don't think I really ever named that or realized that. I'm a little jealous of y'all because you're in Athens right now and you could go walk the space <laughs> after. But part of me just wishes I could go walk the space and, and sit and reflect a little longer. Um, haven't had this conversation. And I didn't expect that today. Mm. Thanks. Now we're going to do lightning round. <laughs> Boom. I'll give each of you a chance before I go to the next one. Okay. All right? I'm in. Communion. I remember being taught about the sacraments and, like, going up there, like, when we had a little children's church. You did this series. Yeah. Um, and, like, afterwards, just drinking a whole bunch of the grape juice and, <laughs> and like, Robert and I eating all the pita bread. But the first thing came to mind was also in Kingston. I love that mm. way of practicing communion. I think about when you, Frank, and my dad would do communion and, you know, handing out the plates and everything to the deacons and how you were just so much more gentle with them than he was and how loudly <laughs> they would just clink together when he oh would collect God, them yeah. and put them on the table and you're just so delicate and graceful and, you know, it was just such a contrast. I don't know why that <laughs> really comes to that's my mind. But oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that, that's it. All right, next word, Easter. Oh, outside. When, you know, when we would put the flowers on the cross yeah. outside. Yeah ahead of time and, and just a lot of pictures <laughs> yes. taking pictures and over the years you know with grandparents family but then the youth group picks around the cross yeah I agree with that always the flowers you know some years the I think the one for me is the choir singing the hallelujah chorus um that's that's big for me on Easter children's choirs uh the palm the palm branches walking in on palm Sunday Waving our palm branches. That's the one. Boom whacker. And <laughs> I think that like fourth or fifth grade, we did a play, Moses related. And I got to run down the hallway and shout. And, and that was super memorable. <laughs> Moses and the Freedom Fanatics is what it That's was. That's what it was. We had a t shirt too. That was a good time. Funerals. Oh, I don't know if I've ever into a funeral life. The first thing that comes to mind is members of the congregation, like the Sanders, who came for the funerals of our grandparents, you know, my grandparents' or parents, and, and others who did that and, and made that drive and how special that was. Mm. You know, in a really difficult time for me to see 
that investment in us, that meant a lot. Okay. I think of um, Mr. Claude Williams. That was the vivid funeral okay. that stands out to me. Okay. Baptism. Christmas Eve, that's when I was baptized. That's the first thing that comes to mind. But then just like how exciting that is in general, especially when someone makes a an expression of faith and then you go shake their hand. It's just a, it's a, a really life-giving moment for the church. Yeah, I think of my baptism as well. And a vivid memory I have is my, my parents had just been to Israel in the spring before my baptism and my mom had brought back holy water. And I remember before the service pouring some of that into the baptismal and that was a really special moment. Very nice. Once before we skip start, uh, I also would add that it's really cool that you baptized me, Dad. That's oh. so special. Um, you know, not many people get to, to have that experience and no. there's a another unique thing about being a minister yeah, that, that's really special. Youth Sunday. Holden Hargrave and Chris Adams. <laughs> Just seeing them step out of their comfort zone. Especially when I look at Chris Adams now out in Texas, associate minister, like, that's just so cool. And even other youth. Like, I remember being younger and seeing Mark Sanders preach and Megan preach. It's just, it's, it's really cool to see young voices elevated in that space. Yeah, I also think of other youth Sundays and always when I was younger thinking about, oh, I'm going to have to do this eventually. <laughs> Got to start preparing <laughs> soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also for my youth Sunday, I feel like I, at least I had never experienced this before, but the graduates walking into pomp and circumstance on the organ in our graduation caps and gowns, that was really special. Christmas. I think like I mentioned earlier, especially singing Oh Holy Night with my mom a couple years ago, that was really powerful, especially because I was very nervous. (laughs) But (laughs) just that service as a whole in 2019, that was, that's the one. Talk about transformation, hanging hanging out the green Mm. and how that space just transformed. The Christmas trees, you know, of course, I think of Mr. Henderson and, and all the work that's done to make that space beautiful, and it smells so good. Outside of Christmas Eve service, that, that Christmas tree is just always gorgeous and huge. And it's just a really, really special season during Advent. Oh, that's good. I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your all stories and the things you remember and having some conversation and some good laughs, too, along the way. I really do thank you all for coming and sharing part of your life experience here in and out of the sanctuary space and what it means to you. Thanks. You got it. Thank you. I wish we could get it. Thank you for listening to this series recognizing the 100-year anniversary of our sanctuary building here at the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue in Athens, Georgia. We produce another podcast called Open to Explore Devotions. Beginning on Sunday, November 28th, We will have daily devotions for Advent that feature our members sharing personal stories about what gives them hope this Advent and Christmas season. 
You can subscribe to Open to Explore Devotions on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For other information about our congregation, visit our website, firstbaptistathens.org.